It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Today's episode of the Locked on Reds podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app now on your mobile device and join me Thursday after the Brewers series at 8 p.m. as we do a little chat to wrap up the series. That's the Locker Room app, changing the way that we talk sports. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds, I have with me a special guest, a fellow that I've gotten to work with a couple of times on the radio. I've been his producer, now I'm talking with him. He is Dan Hort. You know him as the voice of the Bengals and the Bearcats. He's a busy dude because he also does some Reds extra innings as well. And I think, at least when it was Fox Sports, did some uh, Reds Live as well. Dan, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Jeff, my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Looking forward to chatting. I am flattered to have you, sir. We uh, we are in the midst of a very interesting season as to what we expected, at least at the end of last year, compared to where we are now. So I want to get your take on the Reds. But first, we got to start with your career kind of coming up through the minor leagues and doing baseball, because I know that most minor league announcers are not just in the booth. There's a lot more that goes into that. What kind of stuff did you encounter in your trip through the minor leagues? Well, my first job in minor league baseball was with the Little Falls Mets. It's a team that no longer exists in the New York Penn League. My title was assistant general manager. Nice. When I when I was a sophomore in college, I was the assistant general manager of a minor league baseball team. That sounds impressive, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was the second man on a two-man totem pole. So I did it because there was the opportunity to do a little bit of broadcasting in that job. But by and large, I did everything. I literally popped popcorn, swept uh, the concession stands, sold ads, sold tickets, 
you name it, we did it in that role. It was a tremendous experience for me. Uh, did some PA announcing. I even uh, stood on the dugout and like spelled out little falls to try to fire up the fans. <laughs> so it was quite an adventure at that stage of my life. And uh, it's one I'll never forget. Did you ever have to pull the tarp too? That's one thing I didn't have to do. And I'm surprised because I've worked for several minor league teams. It's not uncommon for minor league broadcasters to help pull the tarp, but I never had to do that at any of my stops. I worked in little falls, New York. I was the voice of the triple a Syracuse chiefs for many years. Then I got out of baseball and eventually got back into it as the broadcaster for the AAA Pawtucket Red Sox. And in all of those stops, I somehow managed to avoid having to pull the tarp. <laughs> that's that's awesome to hear because I had always heard about all of those different uh, responsibilities because like, especially like me after I realized that playing was never going to be something that I was going to do past high school. I always thought, Hey, let's uh, jump into broadcasting and see what that's like. And I always imagined like the, the guys in Dayton and the guys in Louisville and the guys in Chattanooga, just having these glamorous broadcasting live. And then I get to meet some of them. And they're like, yeah, like we pull tarps and stuff like that. And I'm like, what really part of the grounds crew. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I've seen many of my minor league broadcasting brethren leave the booth and go sprinting down in a downpour to help the ground crew pull the tarp. So I, I think I'm probably uh, the exception uh, in the fact that I never had to do that. I, I had plenty of uh, interesting things that I did have to do, but pulling the tarp was not on the list. When you think back to your days calling minor league games, what is the first thing you think of? Well, I got to do it when I was a senior in college. I was hired by the Syracuse Chiefs as their primary announcer. So it was a tremendous opportunity for me. I was doing AAA baseball before I graduated from college. And the biggest thing that stands out was I was one of the guys. I mean, I was the same age. I was actually younger than a lot of the players. So they almost included me as a member of the team. So on the bus rides, in the hotels, et cetera, I mean, I was – like a player. I mean, uh, certainly not in terms of my skill level, uh, but I hung out with those guys. I socialized with them. I'll never have that opportunity again. It's not like I'm going to, to hang out with the players as the Cincinnati Bengals announcer or the voice of the UC Bearcats. But at that stage of my life, that's how I was treated. And uh, as you can imagine, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was a great thing to be able to do at that age. I know I hear a lot of Bengals players going to Top Golf, so I reckon maybe one day you go <laughs> swing the sticks with them or something. But uh, that's the one thing I might be able to hang in <laughs> Top Golf. That would be about it. It's it's so it's so cool to think about all that. So what led to the move from baseball to doing football and even basketball as well? Well, even when I was doing minor league baseball, I did other sports. Uh, but my dream really as a kid was to be a major league baseball broadcaster. So I was on that professional track for a long time. I, I think I've interviewed with nine major league teams. I'm like the Susan Lucci of baseball <laughs> broadcasters. I came close a lot of times without ever getting a full-time gig, uh, but things, you know, obviously worked out well in a different sport, uh, but I was doing triple a baseball. I was enjoying it. I was fully committed to, to trying to just keep doing that until I eventually got a major league job. And then Mike Tirico of ESPN fame and now NBC fame. I was one of my college buddies at Syracuse university. When he graduated from college, he got a job as 
the TV sports anchor at the local CBS affiliate in Syracuse. And they had an opening for a weekend guy. And even though I had never done TV professionally, he asked me if I'd be interested. I said, well, what's it pay? Uh, <laughs> sure, I guess. And he convinced that the TV station to give me a tryout. I got the job and then my career went off in a different direction. And I did TV sports anchoring and reporting for many years and then uh, got back into baseball when Pawtucket offered me the position in, I guess it was 2006. So I kind of veered in and out of baseball and uh, I'm not doing it right now uh, and, and don't anticipate being a baseball play-by-play announcer in the future. But I certainly uh, loved it during the years that I had the opportunity to do it. So, so I got to ask, Syracuse, did the Mets, who's your favorite baseball team? Well, I grew up a Mets fan, okay. uh, so I, I grew up south of Buffalo in Lakewood, New York. It's the very southwest tip of New York State. We got Mets games on cable when I grew up. We also got Yankee games on cable, so my brother was a Yankees fan. I was a Mets fan. Uh, every summer, my stepfather would take us to one or the other, so we might go to Pittsburgh so that I could see the Mets, or we might go to Toronto or Cleveland so my brother could see the Yankees, and that was great. Uh, but, you know, I, my fandom has changed over the years. I always thought that if you were really a true blue sports fan, a legit sports fan, your favorite teams could never change. It was wired into your DNA. But I've learned in, in my case, that's not true. Obviously, I'm, I'm a Bengals fan. I broadcast the games. I've been around the franchise for a long time. But growing up, I loved the Bills. I, I never could have imagined that I would root for a team other than the Buffalo Bills. So in any case, I grew up following the Mets. Then I got a job in Cincinnati. I began rooting for the Reds. Then I started working for the Pawtucket Red Sox. I saw a lot of their minor league players come up through the system and go to Boston. I became a Red Sox fan. And now that I'm working back in Cincinnati, I've, I've come full circle and I'm rooting for the Reds again. See, and that makes the most sense, too, because I've, I've met so many people fandom-wise that do talk about that. Like, you are this t this fan of this team forever, and it's like, man, when you break down sports, it's really more of an entertainment factor. Who entertains you the most? And as much as you hate to say it for the guys who have stuck with Cincinnati sports, like my dad always asked me, he's just like, oh, my gosh, how on earth? I'm a fan of Red Zone. How are you still a fan of the Bengals? I'm like, man, I just am. I just love the Bengals. But – when it comes to the Reds and stuff, I've never thought about kind of moving around. I, I, I've got to live around all the Southeast and stuff like that, but um, not really that close to any professional team. I mean, Atlanta's really the only Southeast team because Florida's so far away when it comes to like the Marlins and the Rays and stuff like that. But I, I, I've always stayed with the Reds, but I understand when people move around, it's definitely not a thing like, Oh yeah, you don't know. Cause you ain't been a fan since you're in diapers. Like I always <laughs> like to joke. There's, there's a baby picture of me in a reds uh, onesie. And so I'm like, see, since birth, we got it. There We're you good. Go. <laughs> you know, if I was in a different business, it might be different. I might not have changed my favorite team. I mean, covering the team, being around the team, talking about the team, you wind up watching the games more closely. And I think that's a factor. Uh, if I was just, you know, a, a lawyer or a dentist who happened to move to Cincinnati, I think I probably would have just remained a fan of the teams that I grew up rooting for. But I came here originally uh, in 1996 to work for Fox 19. And while I was not broadcasting the Reds games, I was covering them on a regular basis for the TV station. Then, as you alluded to earlier, I started to work on the pregame show. I was the primary host 
along with Jeff Pecoro for many years of the pregame show. So when you're around the team in that capacity and interviewing those guys on a daily basis and, you know, it makes the show better when the team wins, then naturally you do become a, a fan of the team. And uh, and that's one of the reasons why I, I do root for the Reds now. Coming up, we're going to talk some broadcasting and I've got a few questions about the state of baseball right now. But before we jump into that, I wanted to let you know that this episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made just for sports fans. Be sure to join me this Thursday night at 8 p.m. as we wrap up the Brewers series and talk about this Reds team. Just do a little bit of dishing. You know, that's, that's what we like to do on these Locker Room chats. Go download the free Locker Room app now. Currently available on all iOS devices and there is a beta out for Android. And be sure to create a profile with a link to your Twitter. Then join the MLB group for the latest league updates. You can then follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's, just like my Twitter handle, to be notified when my rooms go live. I know you won't want to miss it this week. We're going live Thursday at 8 p.m. to dish about the Reds. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts. Join me then. Locker room, changing the way that we talk sports. Today's episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast is also brought to you by Lucy Nicotine Gum and Lozenges. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. It's been researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. They've got three flavors of gum, wintergreen cinnamon and pomegranate that have four milligrams of nicotine And they've got three flavors of lozenges, cherry ice, citrus, and mint that also have four milligrams of nicotine. They also are convenient and discreet because you can enjoy them anywhere, like on flights, at work, at the gym, or even while you're on the go. Go to lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB to get 20% off all products on your first order, including the gums and the lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. When you're talking about football as opposed to baseball as opposed to basketball, what is the one key thing when you're switching from each sport? Well, as a play-by-play announcer, they are completely different. Um, So I'm not doing baseball play-by-play right now, but I obviously have in the past. And if you think about it, in baseball, the ball is in play for just a tiny portion of the three or three and a half hours Uh, that the game takes place. So a ground ball to short takes, you know, two seconds and then several minutes go by before there's another significant play other than the, you know, the pitches, which are significant, but until the ball is in play again. So as a baseball announcer, you are a storyteller, you are a statistician, you are trying to fill those gaps in an entertaining and informative way in football and basketball, you're following the ball. And in football, the analyst is the star 
I mean, I will describe what's happening in the play as well as I possibly can, but if it's a Bengals game or a UC game, it's really incumbent upon my partner, whether it's Dave Lapham or Jim Kelly Jr., to really try to explain what happened for the listener. And then in basketball, it's a relatively easy sport to describe. You don't have that many players. The geography of the court is pretty easy to imagine in your mind's eye. So again, you're following the ball and trying to paint as a vivid and detailed picture as you possibly can. It's interesting you mentioned the the action and the way that it kind of flows differently and how little there is in, in baseball because there's been so much talk over the last couple of years of how do we change baseball to make it more palatable to younger fans? How do we speed up the game and things like that? How much do you dive into all of that? How much do you believe in that? And what do you think is something that could be done about that? Because sometimes I look at that and I'm like, I think that's just the game and the way that the game is. You know what? I'm open to any of the possibilities that have been mentioned because I love baseball and I want the younger generation to love it as much as I do. I mean, there's nothing that, that can happen in the game that's going to turn me off from baseball. I mean, if the average time of the game becomes four hours, and, you know, the strikeout percentage rises to 60% instead of whatever it is now, 30%. I'm still going to be watching and listening because I love the game. But right. I've got a 15-year-old son who loves playing baseball, but he doesn't watch it religiously like I did as a kid. He likes it. He's interested in it. We're constantly talking about it, but he's not glued to the TV on a nightly basis like I was. And I want kids of his age or, or younger to feel the same way about the sport that I did to increase the amount of action is good. I want the ball to be in play more than it is right now. So is that moving the mound back a foot? Maybe they're going to test that in the independent Atlantic league this year. Is that eliminating shifts and putting two infielders on each side of second base and keeping them in the dirt? Maybe that's been done in the minor leagues and is being doing uh, being done again this year. So I'm not opposed to considering any of it. I'm not so much of a purist that I'm not open minded to rules changes that will put the ball in play more and make the game more entertaining. I'm with you. I mean, I, I feel like early on in baseball when they were feeling out the sport back in the early 1900s and yeah the dead ball era and all that stuff you had different rule changes to kind of figure things out and then they went for a super long period of time without changing anything it might be time to reimagine that distance of the mound and things like that because i mean i know with baseball there's this weird you know, like sacredness of numbers when it comes to, you know, however many hits or homers or RBIs or something like that. But I think when it comes to some things, they need to be reimagined. Progress is not something that should be shunned of, well, you know, when they played the game back in 1962, it's like, yeah, most uh, most fans under the age of 20 aren't going to care about that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, the sport has evolved uh, so many times in its history. And, you know, you... 1968, they lowered the mound by five inches. We have, you know, we went through a period where there were uh, AstroTurf fields in probably at least half of the stadia in Major League Baseball. How many extra hits did guys of that era get just because their hard, hard ground balls went scooting through the infield? Um, you know, for much of baseball's history, 
there were no night games. Was that beneficial to players, you know, always playing in daylight? I don't know. Uh, but the game has evolved. And like I said, in, in some ways, I do consider myself a purist. But when it comes to rules changes in an effort to make the game as entertaining as we can make it, I'm open-minded for anything. Well, talking about entertaining, early on this season, the Reds were exactly that. They were winning, they were scoring, and while they were giving up some runs, they weren't giving up enough runs to lose. Then the switch flipped, and they've been giving up a bunch of runs. The bullpen is looking like it's a mess right now, especially once you get past TJ Anton and Lucas Sims. And then, and especially as we're recording tonight, Sonny Gray goes down with an injury, so the rotation has kind of been in flux this year. What do you make of the state of the Reds and where they are as of June the 9th? And yes, I did have to look at my watch to see exactly <laughs> what day today's date is. What I make of the Reds is that I think they are basically just as good as the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals. They're not a great team, but fortunately for Reds fans, there are no great teams in the NL Central this year. Uh, people have killed Bob Castellini and the Reds for the way they approach this offseason not retaining the Cy Young Award winner, not retaining their their two most logical closers, et cetera. The Cubs did the exact same thing. They traded Hugh Darvish, who was second in the Cy Young Award race last year. Uh, they, they did not retain Kyle Schwarber when they possessed his rights. They just let him walk. Um, so I, I'm more sensitive than most, I think, to the financial realities that uh, affected the Reds last year in a pandemic and the amount of money that they lost. And I don't think anybody in the division got better. So the Reds were a playoff team in an expanded playoff format last year. Uh, I don't think this team is as good as that team, but I don't think it has to be for the Reds to be in contention in the division for the rest of the summer. Now, can they do significant damage in the postseason? Probably not. But if you somehow weasel your way in, everybody's got a shot. As they say, anything can happen if you just make that dance. Yep. I'm curious of your thoughts because it's something that I've been trying to wreck my brain about. What can they do, if anything, among the trade season to acquire, whether it be bullpen help? Um, I don't know if there's really a shortstop outside of Trevor Story out there who would move the needle, and he's currently on the injured list right now with an arm problem. So is there a move that they could make that would significantly improve their standing? Absolutely, and bullpen help is that move. I mean, every year around the trade deadline, teams that are in contention or think they are in contention have the opportunity to get bullpen help on a short term and the reds are going to have that opportunity now we're not close to the trade deadline yet and at that point maybe they are not in the hunt maybe you won't want to pull the trigger and give up prospects or add payroll or whatever it takes but i do think that there will definitely be an opportunity to help the bullpen there always is every contender every year looks for bullpen help the Reds got it last year when they they traded for uh, Bradley. And I, I think there will be that opportunity this year. And, and I don't doubt that they would be willing to add payroll short term if they think that they're in the hunt and that can make a difference. And let's face it, uh, with the bullpen and the way it's performed so far this year, they could use the help. Especially like a guy who 
if he's got a expiring contract by the end of the season, it would make the most sense. And with full capacity, I think that um, fans showing up is going to make that a lot more palatable to ownership to go ahead and make that move. And it's definitely something I, I know that uh, Doc had a column in the Enquirer this morning talking about, like for everyone that has given Bob Castellini some, uh, we'll call it hate, uh, he's got the opportunity to kind of have a second chance here. So I'm interested to see exactly how that plays out. And it's like you said, there's still a little bit of time. I'm about to ask him a question that we really don't want to answer, but it's something that we've got to think about as the trade season gets going. Uh, I'm going to get Dan Horde's take on what it would look like if the Reds sold. I'm also going to ask him some fun stuff, too, so don't worry about that. We're going to talk about his managerial endeavors and do a couple rapid-fire questions as well. Before we jump into all of those, though, I urge you, because I've been telling you about this so long, you got to jump into a Built Bar. They are the best-tasting protein bar on the market, bar none, because they are made with 100% real chocolate and they've got some amazing flavors on their website now too just taking a look at them right now at builtbar.com you got coconut almond you got mint brownie you got peanut butter brownie and you got two of my favorites you have my absolute favorite cherry barcia and cookies and cream i'm telling you if you think that these flavors sound amazing you gotta bite into them you gotta try them and the best way to do that Send to the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order so you can find out exactly what I'm saying and you can prove it to be true. That's BuiltBar.com and the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the amazingly delicious Built Bar. I also want to let you know that my favorite website and the website that I trust the most with my sports wagering is betonline.ag. And I got this awesome deal for you today. If you go there and set up your profile, type in the promo code locked on, you'll get 50% added onto your initial deposit. When I'm looking at any sport, whether it's Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, if I want to bet on the next UFC card, it's all there. Check it out, betonline.ag. And from time to time, I'll give you a tip. And, you know, sometimes they're really good. Uh, Last night, yeah, sometimes it doesn't pan out. Let's just put it that way. But, hey, I will give you tips from time to time, and they've been pretty good except for last night. Anyway, check it out today. BetOnline.ag. Set up your profile. Type in the promo code Locked On. Get 50% added onto your initial deposit and start making some money off of your sports knowledge today. Have you been that guy that always tries to make the right call when it comes to sports and you say, man, it'd be nice if I get some recognition. Now you can get some money for that. Check it out. BetOnline.ag. Set up your profile and type in the promo code Locked On. What do you think their prospects are of maybe if they do flip the switch and maybe they're out of this thing, is there a chance that you see trades to guys like Nick Castellanos and uh, the like? Well, I hope it doesn't happen, but if they fall on hard times and fall way out of the race in the central, which I don't expect to happen, but if it did and Castellanos is still as dominant as he's been, Unfortunately, you'd have to consider it because I talked to a couple of knowledgeable people in the baseball industry this weekend, and they both said there's no chance if he keeps this up 
that he does not use the opt-out clause because there's no downside. Even if he loves it here and wants to stay with the Reds, it just forces them to pay more if they're willing. Right. Um, or he walks. And when Scott Boris is your agent, uh, we know his history. He does not give teams hometown discounts. So if Nick Castellanos continues to perform the way that he's performing, he's a $20 million a year player. I mean, Mike Trout is making $35.5 million. I looked it up over the weekend. I think there are six outfielders in Major League Baseball that are making $25 million or more. I don't know if Nick Castellanos is going to get that uh, going into his age 30 season, but if he continues to produce even close to the level that he has produced so far this year, he is going to get $20 million a year plus up Damn. from the 16 that he's due to get. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and I totally agree with you. I, I think that if you end the season, I'm almost saying if he ends the season in the top five in the MVP race, I think you can book that opt-out. It's going to happen. Yeah, and, and and that would almost affect his trade value, I would think, too. Most GMs are going to look at that and say, like, okay, well, there's that possibility. We've only got a one-year guy, so what are we really going to give you? It's probably not going to be a ton. It's going to be interesting to see how Nick Crawl plays that. Um, Dan, I, I thank you so much for joining me today. We've only got a little bit more. of. I, I wanted to ask you, because yep. you, you had mentioned this, you are the manager – of your own baseball team. <laughs> yes, I am. I am the manager of the 15-year-old Eagles gold team, uh, the the knothole A senior level. We got off to a 4-0 start. We, we, we started our season late because a significant number of the players on my team played for their ninth grade school team. Nice. And in knothole, you're not allowed to even practice until your school team has played its final game. So many of the teams that my team is playing had already played eight or nine games before we even played our first. So we had a little bit of a disadvantage where that's concerned because several of my players had not been playing this year. But in any case, we got off to a great start. We were 4-0. and Then we, we took our first loss last weekend. We also had a tie. Uh, in a game that got that stopped due to the time limit. And then we lost a heartbreaker tonight by one run against the team that I think we probably should have defeated. So I'm a little bit ornery, uh, but we've got a, a game tomorrow, weather permitting. We've got a doubleheader coming up on Saturday. And then I think the postseason begins next week. So hopefully the mighty Eagles will get it back together and go on a roll. Yeah, those one run games, they, they tend to, sneak up on you more often than not would you describe yourself as a player manager or more of a strategist uh slash let, let's let's call the numbers and let's get that win and we'll worry about the egos afterward i would describe myself very much as a player's manager uh, i am empathetic to 15 year olds and the mistakes they uh, make playing a very complicated game my approach is i don't yell at them. I don't get all uh, agitated, uh, but I do try to bring them aside uh, and have one-on-one -on -one conversations to try to correct their mis mistakes and, and teach them about the game as much as I possibly can. So hopefully they're enjoying it. I enjoy doing it. I can tell you that. All right. A couple of quick rapid fire questions, and then I'll let you go. I thank you okay. so much, Dan. Firstly, who was your favorite player growing up? Well, I had several. The first was Willie Mays. I read a book. I read Willie Mays's biography when I was a little kid, and then he came to the Mets for the tail end of his career. 
uh, joining the team in 72 and then playing on the 73 team that went to the World Series. So I loved Willie Mays. Uh, I did the basket catch in Little League because of Willie Mays. My coach called me Willie um, <laughs> and I wore 24, but he retired after that season. So, you know, my fandom of him was short lived. Uh, then I loved Tom Seaver for obvious reasons as a Mets fan. That was before he got traded to the Reds. I, I literally cried the night oh. that the Mets traded him to the Reds. And then, you know, we all have a guy in our childhood that wasn't a superstar, but for whatever reason, we loved that guy. That player for me was John Milner. Okay. Mets first baseman, occasional outfielder, left-handed hitter. And for some reason, I just thought, you know, he looked really cool. He had a great looking swing. He was a decent player in his day. Unfortunately, he got caught up in the uh, Pittsburgh cocaine trial uh, later in his career. But those were my guys. First Willie Mays, then Tom Seaver, then John Milner. I'm with you. I mean, I always look back on growing up and like fan like thinking guys are amazing and, and this this amazing player and I look back on him now and it's Michael Tucker like I hmm. was really starting to understand baseball and I really thought this dude was going to be awesome and I thought he was a lot better than he was but I I, I totally get you there <laughs> so when I when I was the announcer in Pawtucket Michael Tucker was uh, briefly on our team at the tail end of his career good dude you'll be happy to know he's a good dude I I I can imagine that. I, I, I was I always thought he was going to do a lot more than he did, because <laughs> um, I, I had to be realistic about that one time with some friends at a at a bar. I was I'm like, oh no, he wasn't as good as I thought. Anyway, <laughs> um, another quick one. What? Who would you say, looking at the current roster of major league players, not just the Reds but all over the sport, who would you say your favorite player is to watch today? It's a guy that I don't get to watch that often, Mike Trout. I mean, any opportunity I have to see him play, I try to take advantage of it. Um, you know, when the Reds hosted the All-Star game in 2015 and he homered in that game and was the MVP, I tried to impress upon my son, someday you'll tell your son or your grand grandson that you saw Mike Trout play in person. Um, so I, I love watching him any opportunity that I get, but obviously uh, being on a West coast team and one that doesn't necessarily get a lot of, you know, national attention, we probably don't get to see Mike Trout as much as we would like. I felt that way about junior when he was in Seattle. Uh, you know, we, we obviously eventually got to see a lot of them in Cincinnati, but when he played for the Mariners, I remember, uh, my wife and I making a pilgrimage to Detroit at the old Tiger Stadium, specifically to be able to say that we saw Ken Griffey Jr. play in person, not knowing that eventually he would wind up in Cincinnati. Nice. Hey, I um I got the chance one time when I was in Los Angeles for some family stuff, and I went to an Angels game. They played the Rangers that game, and we sat in left field, like around the left field foul pole. They call that area of the stands the Trout Farm. And I, I always thought that was funny. I'm just like, hey, I sat in the trap farm, got to watch him play. He hit a home run that night, and Shohei Otani hit a home run too. So awesome. I was like, this was a good game to be at. That's tremendous. Um, two more. Number one, uh, what would you say is your favorite Grater's flavor? Uh, probably mocha chip, but a seasonal flavor. I go heavy on the, the peach. But of the flavors that are available year-round, I'm a mocha chip guy. And I eat lots of it. I am an excellent Grater's customer. 
<laughs> I love it. I I miss Boldly Bearcat. And then they said it was because Oreo stopped making the Velvet Oreos. So that, that was a bummer. But, uh, yeah, Mocha Chip is good. S'mores is a good one, too. I love s'mores. Uh, and, and the last and final question that I wanted to end up with has totally slipped my mind because now I'm thinking about ice cream. <laughs> and that's my own fault. Uh <laughs> Dan, I appreciate you so much for coming on and talking some baseball, talking some broadcasting and all that good stuff with me. Uh, uh, just really appreciate having you on. Enjoyed it, Jeff. Keep up the good work. I know Reds fans love what you're doing, and uh, and we appreciate it. Thanks. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.